Today's reading is from Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You know, it was a long time ago, and it was a pretty far away place. It's a place that now we just think about in stories, time that we think about just when we hear it every once in a while, every time of year. But you see, the story, a lot of times for me, if it's the best for me, I'm just an afterthought. But at worst, for me and who I am, I'm kind of the bad guy of this story. I don't even know if you caught it right there, but a lot of times you don't even think about who I am. See, in the whole story there, I'm the innkeeper. I'm the guy that said, there's no vacancy. There's no room. There's no, there's no place. We don't have a guest room. I mean, let me try to tell you what was going on there because uh, if you're an innkeeper, you'd understand. See, I had a lot of things I had to do. There was a lot of things that I was responsible for. I mean, you got to know about Bethlehem. Bethlehem, it's a, it's a small little town. And there, it, it's called the House of Bread. Bethlehem, the house of bread. But we barely had enough bread. We barely had enough of anything. Because it was this time when Caesar Augustus called for this census to be taken. This, this time when everyone had to go back to the town where they were from and where they were descended from, and they had to be counted. Everyone had to be counted. Everyone had to be accounted for. So all of these people came into Bethlehem, and it was really, really busy. And I had a lot of things that I had to do. And when Caesar said something, and Caesar Augustus said to do something, we did it. Because, because we were under Roman authority. You have to remember that Bethlehem, all of us, it was the Romans who controlled everything. And this is the first time they had called for a census and everyone had to come and be counted. So everyone showed up in Bethlehem. It was a lot of people, a lot of animals, a lot of activity. And we were living in fear. We were living in fear because of the Romans. And so when they said, everyone go back to your hometown, everyone went back to your hometown. Everyone accounted for, everyone to be counted 
And that what was going on there. So it was a lot of chaos, a lot of craziness, a lot of busyness. And people were coming in from all over the place to come in to Bethlehem. And we just did what we were told. We just kept our heads down. And we just did what we were told. Because no one wanted to get on the bad side of the Romans. And so everyone came into Bethlehem. And these were all the things that had to be done. So people had to travel And people came from all over the region to come back to Bethlehem. It was crowded. It was chaotic. It was cold. And it was good for business. That was good. But there were a lot of things. There were a lot of things to do. I remember that as we were all doing all these things, all this time, the census was going on, all these people were coming into town, there was this one couple, and they had had what looked like a, a long journey. They had been traveling a long way. The woman herself, she was pregnant. She was walking in that really slow way that women walk when they're really close to childbirth. She had that really slow, heavy-footed walk about her that the, the husband, the guy, I don't know, he looked kind of uncertain of himself. He was kind of knocking on doors. He was trying to find some place for them. I mean, they were just kind of outsiders. They were foreigners, really. They were from some other place. And, you know, when you got a lot of stuff to do, you see people and you go, man, I don't know. I don't know about them. And he was just kind of knocking and asking, and he kind of was, you know, he seemed kind of uncertain about himself. She seemed like she was just having a really hard time. And I said, you know, I don't have a room for you. I don't have a place for you. Now, to be honest, even if I did have a space in my place, even if I did have an open room, I don't know that I would have let them be there. I mean, they didn't look like they had a lot of means. They looked like they were going to be a lot of work. I mean, you know, someone that's, that's pregnant and you make a space for them, you bring them in, they have a baby. It's just a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff I got to do. You, mean, you see, if you're somebody that has a lot of responsibilities, if you're trying to run an inn, or you're trying to run your family, or you're trying to run a business, or you're working, you got a lot of stuff that you're responsible for. You got a lot of stuff you got to do. I mean, there are a hundred tasks every day that call for my attention. There are a hundred things I got to do all the time. I mean, I got I to change the sheets. I got to shop for food. I got I to um, make sure that the food is cooked. I got to make sure that the rooms are clean. I got to prepare the meals. I got I to look after my own family. I got to feed the kids. And then, and then yeah, everything is, is, is taken care of for today. But then what about Tomorrow. 
I got bills. I got a lot of bills I got to keep up with. And yet, today I paid the bills, and, and today the kids are fed. But then, but then what about tomorrow? What about tomorrow? What else do I have to do then? And so a hundred things on my to-do list then become a thousand things and then become a million things. And then I got all these things until finally, until finally, something happens. Something changes. And that I begin to see that every single person that I see in my world becomes something I've got to do. Every person that stands before me then becomes a task that I have to take care of. And when I'm feeling busy and when I'm feeling responsible, when I got a lot of stuff going on, and you got to run a lot of things, people then become just one more thing on my to-do list. And so this couple came to me, this husband who looked kind of weary and tired, and this woman that was really pregnant, and I just didn't have time for them because I looked at them and they were just two more tasks, two more things for me to do. I told them I didn't have a place for them. And then they went away. You know, that night was really, really cold. And I was there at the end with my wife and my family. And I remember later that night, the stars, the stars had come out. It was really clear. It was really cold. But I remember the stars had come out that night. And I also remember later that night, I heard about it later. The baby came. You know, you hear about these things later on, and I heard that later that night, the baby came. But when the baby came, I wasn't there. For me, when the baby came, I was lost. I was lost somewhere among my to-do lists and in between my tasks. I was lost somewhere between 15 steps down to the cellar. And then watch your head. You're going to have to get some more bread. Bring up some wood when you come in next time. I was lost somewhere between, make sure you bring the water in. And did you do the laundry? And hey, don't forget to sweep. And so when the baby came that night, I wasn't around. I didn't see any of it. You know what I heard that night? I don't exactly know what I heard. I don't exactly know what happened outside of Bethlehem when that baby came. But I do know this. I do know that you work your whole life You toil, you take care of things, you're responsible for things. But your whole life, your whole life, what you really wait for 
is you wait for your one true love. You wait. You wait for that one true relationship. That one true love. That one hope. That one joy. That one desire that you wait your whole life for to find. I think all of us do. We look for that one joy, our destiny, our promise, our hope for something else. When he came, I missed him. All right, so what would that look like for us to have a little bit more Christmas spirit the right way? What would that look like for us as GRX, as a community? Right, we know that this is a really busy time of season. We know this is a really busy time of year. There's all kinds of stuff to do. Kind of reminds me of that little kid who said, uh, praying at Christmas time, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. Right, this is, I was reading the paper today and it was looking at things like, man, uh, brilliant, brilliant bargains. Deck the halls and the walls and more. Or spread a little holiday cheer for less. You know, there's all these things that are calling for our attention this time. I'm going to give us three really quick things that we can do to just be thinking about and reorienting our season and our time. There's just three things that I'd want us to consider and to look at and to do because there are all of these things that call for our attention and it would be really, 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 really easy to miss Jesus Christ. It'd be really easy to miss that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, came into the world at this time because we're so busy doing all the other things at Christmas time. So here are three things I'd just like you to consider. Maybe you want to apply these things. Number one, shop less. Number one, shop less. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Shop less. Don't shop so much. Shop less, okay? You know, Christmas is about loving people, all right? So shop less. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? shop less. I mean, under, underneath that, why am I saying shop less? Because I think we can accumulate less stuff. We don't really need any more stuff, right? You have closets full of stuff. You got houses full of stuff. You got garages full of stuff. And then you buy extra shelving units to stick all your stuff on, right? So we don't need any more stuff. So you can, you can shop less, that's one thing to do. So, oh, so then you think, okay, well, well what are we going to do then? Because we always get together. We get, we get together with friends. We get together with family. And like gifts are part of the expectation. How do we shop less if we, if we um, have all these gifts and expectations? So what you do is you contact the people that you're going to get together and say, hey, let's do white elephant gift exchange this year. And white elephant gift exchange is you go and you find something in your house, like for 10 bucks or less, or you can say 20 bucks or less or something, and that's the rules and everybody does it, and you don't shop, you just get something in your house and you wrap that up, and then everyone comes to the party, and then when you're exchanging gifts, you exchange those gifts. 
And that's, that's White Elephant Gift Exchange. And then the cool thing is that you'll come home with somebody else's gift, and then you put that in your house, and then for your next party, <laughs> you get the picture, right? It's called regifting. You shop less. You're with people. That's one way to shop less. The other way that you can shop less is do this. And this is something that I'm doing with my siblings and their spouses. We're going to get something for everybody, but I have a brother and sister, and we're all married, so there's six of us. But instead of getting gifts for everybody, so instead of me getting five gifts for everybody else, we're just going to pick names. And so we're just going to pick one other person's name. And then I'm just going to get one gift. And everybody is just going to get in that grouping of all my brothers and sisters and and my in-laws, we're just going to give each other one gift. So instead of buying five gifts, we're just going to get one. So those are two ways to just shop less. You either do white elephant or you just pick names. You know, because sometimes there's so much time and so much energy and so many resources spent towards shopping along with all of the anxiety that comes with trying to find that gift. That all of that stuff gets swirled up in all these lists and lists and lists of things we have to buy people. And we can just say, hey, at Christmas this year, we're just going to shop less. That's one of the things that we're going to do. We're just going to take that off the table. But when we take that off the table, what's something else that we're going to put on the table? We're going to shop less. We're going to let, spend less time thinking about that. And the second thing to put on the table, and this is the second thing that I want to encourage us to do as GRX, is love people. Love people at Christmas time. Love people. And you're like, well, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing all year as Christians? Love God and love people? But yeah, I'm going to say love people because especially at Christmas time, it can be pretty tough to love people. I mean, sometimes people will come in and you're kind of thrown in with people. Like it might be family members that you haven't seen for a long time. And maybe some of these relationships are a little bit estranged. Sometimes stuff's a little bit awkward. And you're just sort of brought into these Christmas parties, but you're brought into gatherings. And it's just like a little tough. It's a little tough. And what I'm calling and challenging us to do is particularly in this season as Christians to be just diving into those situations. And it's a hard thing to love people. But at this time of year, instead of maybe trying to shop and instead of trying to find gifts, those people that are particularly going to be tough for you to love, let me call you, challenge you, and invite you to be praying for those people. Those people that are going to be particularly tough that you think, man, I'm going to see them on Christmas Day. I call you to challenge you to pray for them even now. Pray for them every day between now and when you're going to see them. That God will work in your heart and fill you with a sense of love for this person that you're going to see. Pray that God transforms your heart and your attitude and your mind, your posture, your disposition towards them to make your heart to be the heart of Jesus towards them and to love them, to deeply love them. 
Christmas time doesn't have to be a time that we dread seeing people. It can be an incredible opportunity for God's love and God's light to work through us. And we can be the people of God and love people deeply. Even love people that are particularly hard to love. People that have wronged us in some kind of way. People where there's some kind of history that's tough for us to forgive. It's an opportunity for us to live into the love and the forgiveness that Jesus Christ calls us to every day of the year. We can live into that this time and this season. But don't do it on your own. Be in prayer for them. Say, Jesus, this person is hard for me to love, but you came into the world to show us what it was like to love people. Help me, God, to love this other person. So the first thing is shop less. The second thing is to love people. Spend time being with people, paying attention to people. Love people. Be with people. Pay attention to what's going on with people. And then the third thing, the third thing in this whole season is to love God. To love God. To see Jesus in this season. To recognize that God did this incredible miracle. God's not wanting to be far off from us. God's wanting to draw near to us. And that's why when he came, he was Emmanuel. God with us. God alongside of us. God known to us. God in human form, in the form of Jesus. And as Jesus is drawing near to us, and we remember that in that season, draw near to God. Spend time with God. Loving God and who he is and his story. Ways that you can really do that, one of those ways is just continuing to join us in worship. Be here during the seasons of Advent and let this story continue to grow in you and to know this story. Another way is to take these Advent journals that we created and to spend time each day, like what Terrence said, about 10 minutes each day. We ask you to read the story each day of that passage and then we give you some questions to reflect on and to just be spending that time being with God getting to know God more, loving God with your time. And besides just being here with us in worship and, being, and going through the Advent journals, when you go, a third way is to just continue to be with your small group and to be able to be with people there and encourage other Christians. If you guys want to discuss the Advent journal there, take any question out of the week, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. Just open those up. And see what God is doing and what God is speaking in your lives. So shop less this time of year. Be sure to love other people. Pay attention to the people. Pray for them, especially if they're tough. And then also, love God. Love God with your time. Be with Him in His Word. Be before God in prayer. Join us in worship. Be here. Know the story. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. You know, the innkeeper story, it's one of these stories that it's actually one of the, he's he's kind of the bad guy of this story, but he's kind of the tragedy. He was the guy 
that was doing all the responsible stuff, all the stuff that he was supposed to be doing. But when you look at the whole story, he was the guy that missed Jesus. The innkeeper was the guy who had the opportunity in his very home to welcome in the Almighty God. The innkeeper had come knock on his door, not only Joseph and Mary, but he had the opportunity for God himself to come under his roof, to come into his home, to have Jesus Christ, Almighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, to be there, born in his home, in his inn, with his family. And he was too busy. The innkeeper missed Jesus. Hey, for us this season, for us this season in GRX, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. Be looking for Jesus. He wants to draw near to you. Be sure to make a space in your heart. Make a space in your home. Make a space for Jesus this Advent season. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you came to be present with us. God, you want to draw near to us. But God, sometimes I confess that we're too busy. We're too busy to draw near to you. We're too busy to make a space for you. We're too busy, God, to see how you are at work and what you're wanting to do in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. And so, God, I ask that in this season that you would help us, God, to offer up to you all of the tasks that we have to do, all of the things that are on our to-do lists, all of the things that are calling for our time and attention, all the things, God, that make us too busy to see you. God, the stuff that we got to do at home, the stuff that makes us running around at work, the stuff that we're trying to manage even in the season, stuff at school. And God, as a church, God, we give these things up to you. God, we give up these things to you and say, God, be Emmanuel, God with us. Help us, God, to do the stuff that we have to do. But God, let us see you in this season. God, help us to see you and help us to love you. Help us to not miss you. God, we invite you to dwell in our hearts. We invite you, God, to dwell in our homes in this Advent season. Come, Lord Jesus. Be Emmanuel, God, with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.